Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. I just left off with a podcast with uh, Pastor Joshua Jones, and we almost bled into a completely new podcast, and this one fascinated me. So the idea of it, the subject matter, especially as it talks, because I don't know how many of you guys you know, grew up in a Pentecostal church. I don't know how many of you guys grew up in a church that talked about you know, the supernatural. I don't know how many of you grew up in conservative churches that might have talked about the supernatural, but I think there are certain aspects in Western Christianity when it comes to ghosts and the afterlife and these kind of topics we almost abandoned. But when I work with those that are in the Coptic church, the Syrian church, the uh, when I work with Chinese and the underground house church, there are a lot of these issues that they discuss and talk about. For me, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I grew up in a secular family that believed in ghosts and demons. And I remember my stepfather telling me stories about, you know, a haunted house that he grew up in. I remember going to bed at night, you know, wondering about ghosts in the room, wondering about the supernatural, wondering about, you know, what does the Bible say about when I die? What does, what does, you know, have we as a Greek Western society somehow uh, drifted away from these ideas and, uh, you know, what does the Bible have to say about these things? This, I've asked Pastor Joshua to come on and have this conversation. He kind of brought it up, so he instigated it. Pastor Joshua, are you there? <laughs> yes, indeed. You are the instigator. Uh, yeah, and it is my fault. <laughs> it is entirely my fault. And uh, so, I'm, I'm really excited about this. This is a, this is a you know, a coffee table conversation where you and I kind of sitting in a coffee, cafe um, discussing what, you know, what are the ideas? What are the concepts? What does the Bible say? Um, what does society say? What do we believe? Why do we believe it? You know, I, I would love yeah. to just jump in and cover some of these topics. Great. I think this is relevant. I mean, as you already mentioned there in your introduction, um, you know, the, wherever Christians go to share the gospel throughout the world, there is this supernatural veil that almost maybe not every, but certainly as far as I know, just about every culture has an awareness of the, the idea of the supernatural, the idea of ghosts, if you will, the idea of hauntings, whether it's, you know, ancestors in some eastern countries or or, you know, animal spirits and, uh, you know, some tribal areas that there are these ideas. Yeah, even even here in secular England, which is is very non-religious and very materialist and atheist. I, I, I kind of a newer friend, uh, a new guy I'm getting to know. I, I consider him a friend. He's, he's a good guy, nice guy. But he describes himself as an atheist. But he's had encounters with ghosts. He's seen ghosts, which maybe as Christians, we wonder how you reconcile those two because we tend to think of atheists as materialists who don't believe in a supernatural and yet this is his experience you know 
Um, so he's an atheist who knows that ghosts are real. So uh, we have to be able to enter into these conversations intelligently. Yeah, and you know, I mean, let's be honest. There is a curiosity as 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 far as we have gone into explaining every phenomenon ever. Um, we still have a part of our humanity that understands and knows, even if we don't fully recognize it, and we just call it like superstition or fear of the unknown or whatever, that we do recognize that there is another realm, that there is, I mean, that one, there's a big, you know, hit reality show. I've never watched it, but I've seen clips of it on YouTube called Ghost Hunters where um, you know individuals go and in a very scientific manner they go with um, you know devices that pick up you know uh, airwaves activity radioactivity uh, they they go in with uh, heat seekers where they can watch you know uh, temperatures in the room change <clears throat> so they yeah. come with all these devices you know uh, as almost like tornado hunters they go into these haunted houses and, and and places that um that have that they believe has supernatural activity and then they've created a reality show and that reality show has a massive following and not only a following but people that can can say i've seen that i've witnessed that yeah. i've experienced that we have you know haunted jails in my hometown um, and even though we might think that we've grown away from this as a Western society and sometimes, um, you know, write this off as African or Eastern Asian superstitions, um, you know, even though we say that, right now I'm staying at a hotel where I'm on the 14th floor, which is actually the 13th floor. But they won't put 13th floor because there's so many people that believe that that is an unlucky floor. Um, wow. and, yeah. um, and, and I mean, good luck trying to find a 13th floor, uh, in America, good luck trying to find a 14th floor in China. I'm staying on a floor that no Chinese in their right mind would ever stay on, which is the 14th floor. And the reason why wow. is it sound, the word itself sounds like death, uh, in Chinese. And, uh, and if you look at Western culture and you think that we don't believe in ghosts and all of that. Have you not heard of Halloween, where we all dress up like ghosts and carve out pumpkins and you know try to make this like super this day of supernatural haunting come alive? Um, yeah. And so there, there is the reason I bring that up is that it, Christian, not Christian, uh, believing in only what you can see, touch, hear, f feel, smell, um, or not, you you still have a part of you that whether you deny it or not you can be you know richard freaking hawkins and still say i yeah i don't believe in ghosts but you do you do yeah <laughs> you i'm sorry i don't buy it for one minute and those moments when nobody else is around you are by yourself at night in complete darkness and you believe in ghosts yeah one of the things that's got me thinking more about this in the last several months is, as you know, um, we talked in uh, a previous episode about this uh, uh, biblical fiction fantasy series that um, I'm coming out with. And, you know, the first two books are out and I'm working on the third. This, this last book that's come out, the second book, was called The Genesis Ghosts. And out of the three in the series, you know, they all have a certain fantasy fiction element. But the, this, this second one, the Genesis Ghost, in, involves, a, you know, paranormal elements to it that the other two really uh, don't. 
in the same way. You know, the second book's the only one that introduces that. But uh, you may experience, because you're a writer too, like whenever you write about something, you have to actually uh, make decisions or at least begin to ask the questions and know what your options are, you know, as far as what you really um, believe or what, you know, specifically as Christians is what the, the, the scriptures teach uh, on this. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to give anything away just in case anyone in your audience would be crazy enough or foolish enough to um, pick up a copy of the Genesis Ghosts. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the baseline, is, you know, is the idea that Tamar and Judah from the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 38, come to, into the modern day almost as ghosts to haunt a young man living in, here in London, you know, and, and speak truth into his life. And in that, you know, uh, in writing it and giving it to different beta readers and uh, other Christians to read and give me feedback and editor, all this, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions. Well, how, how do does this desire we as Western Christians have to sort of categorize this? Well, is this a demon? Is this an angel? Uh, what's going on? And, you know, we as the Bible kind of leaves us very ambiguous. And I think particularly as Western Christians, we're, we're not comfortable with that. Yeah, you you know we say ambiguous, um, but I wonder. I wonder if the Bible is written from the assumption that certain ideas are understood. Um, the last time yep. we did a podcast together, um, you were talking about the trilogy that you've been writing, and we touched just briefly on the Genesis Ghosts, and um, you were talking about you know. The, the disciples saw Jesus and, you know, they just understood that it was a ghost. So there was nothing really weird about that. That that vision and interpretation of what they thought they saw didn't need to be explained. Um, also, when Jesus appears to his disciples, when – notice that the author writes very um, specifically that the doors were locked when the disciples yeah. were praying and that Jesus, you know – comes into the room. This is, you know, a phenomenon that is understood for those that understand uh, the supernatural uh, realm. Um, yeah. We are also, most people don't realize that the King James Bible, which is held so highly in, in regard for the Protestant church, especially the more conservative Protestant church in the United States, the initial King James Version had the Apocrypha. So we, we don't really read the Apocrypha, but the Apocrypha really does explain some of the supernatural beliefs that the, the Catholics still hold very dearly. When I travel um, you know, in China and I start talking about the supernatural world, uh, the, the kind that Daniel was familiar with in his prayer. Um, when I talk about you know, angels and demons, this is not a concept that needs explanation in uh in china in fact the whole idea of feng shui you know is built off of this idea people always say oh it's good energy flowing in and out yeah that is partly true but the big part of it is how to reflect like how to build construction projects where demons kind of bounce off where it doesn't interrupt demonic paths um yeah. so that when you you know a lot of people don't realize that uh, when you do a dragon dance you hire people to come to your business, light fireworks and do dragon dances in order to scare away demons so that you can have a good fortune for the future of your business. And these are very prominent ideas rooted in culture. Most cultures 
around the world. Yeah, I, it surprised me how much because I, I've lived here in Western Europe for over 20 years now. I came over here right after high school, uh, married a girl from Copenhagen, a Danish girl, and uh, I've lived here for my, my whole adult life. Um, a little bit of that time, most of that time was here in England, but um, some of that time was in Iceland and some of that time was in France. And what surprised me about both of those places is that even though Iceland and France were uh, very secular and there's a, a very high proportion of atheists, there was the spiritual side to it, where it, in Iceland it's very kind of hyper-modern and you would know from living in uh, Sweden yourself, you know, they, they, they're, they're very technologically advanced, uh, the Nordic countries, very modern in many ways. And yet so many people I met, it would, it would not be uncommon for them to have gone to a seance, to have talked to their grandmother at a seance or something, you know, their dead grandmother. Uh, and in France, too, even though the majority says they're atheists, they also read their horoscopes. You know, there there is a supernatural element back there. There is a haunting, if you will, that you know even the atheists in many parts of Europe uh, that rejected monotheism. You can't get rid of the spiritual realm altogether. No, and I I just want to point out a note really quick. Though I'm trying to hide it for those listeners that hear crunches and 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 rappers, um, I love this conversation, and I've surrounded myself with um, sriracha cashew nuts and, and, and walnuts and soda. And I'm listening, because this, this is a conversation that I'm enjoying, uh, almost like at the movie theater where I, you know, I've got like snacks on the side. So uh, just that, that, that is, that's not a ghost making noise in the background of either Joshua or myself. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that, um, is, that is my we, crunching. <laughs> uh, well, you, Eugene, can I uh, just give a little scriptural reflection? To your listeners Please. and then maybe you can jump in and comment on what I've said that would be awesome yeah so you know what when, when I approached the, the Genesis ghosts which is the second book of this trilogy it, it can be read alone um, each book can be read alone but it, it is part of a trilogy it um, I, I had to th- think a little more well what do I really believe about these issues now growing up evangelical I've always just dismissed everything to have with ghosts as demons you know, any, anything even remotely connected with ghosts is demons. Now, I think there's a good reason for that. And still, largely, I would uh, uh, subscribe to that because, well, the, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, you know, man is destined to die once. And after that judgment, there's a, there's a finality to heaven and hell. And anytime people talk about going to a seance and talking to their uh, grandmother or whatever, my, my inclination still, even after – you know, trying to think through these things is that you're really opening yourself up to the demonic. And anytime you try to communicate with the dead, um, that's just a whole world of deception you're opening yourself up to. And scripture would advise you not to do that. The Old Testament sort of warns against uh, mediums and witches and, and the occult. And Christians would do well uh, to stay away from that. However, having having kind of throwing that disclaimer out there, there's still a lot of question marks that we have about some things in the scripture. And you've already touched on these, you know, the the one was with Jesus, uh, you know, in his resurrection, you know, Luke 24, when when Jesus enters the room, he says, you know, why are you troubled? Uh, Look at my hands, touch me, because a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. 
you know, he, they all thought he was a ghost. It's, it says they were startled. They were frightened. They thought he was a ghost. But what's interesting, two things are interesting. One is that the disciples in this distinctly Jewish monotheistic culture, you know, where either you have the Sadducees who don't believe in a resurrection, who believe you die and that's it. And then the Pharisees who believe one day will be resurrected at the end of time and go to heaven or hell. It's something in their culture, there was a category for ghosts. Now, what that was, we don't fully know, but there was that category. And secondly, that when Jesus rose and he kind of corrected them, he said, I'm not a ghost. But he didn't say, I'm not a ghost because there's no such thing as ghosts. He said, I'm not a ghost because ghost doesn't have uh, flesh and blood. You know, what do we do with that? So, you know, also in Jesus's life on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he appears there with Moses and Elijah, what are those? What is Moses and Elijah? Have they been physically resurrected? Are they there in bodily format? Like, could you could you have touched them? I mean, the resurrection hasn't happened yet, so we presume that it wasn't physically Moses and Elijah. Did, I mean, did, unless that you believe they got some resurrection ahead of the rest of us, and they were really in flesh and blood, or were they in spiritual form? Are how how do the dead people, the righteous people, how do righteous people who have died? How do they interact with us? Are they even aware of us? You know, or a godly piece, Billy Graham, who died uh, a year or so ago. You know, is he looking down from heaven? Is he aware of what the church is like now in America, in England, in the world? Or is he just focused on Jesus? Or can he, if God allows him, could he ever reveal himself to him? We don't know. These are just complete things that the scriptures touch on but don't really answer. They kind of leave us scratching our heads and asking questions. Of course, the, the most famous uh, incident is probably in the Old Testament there in 1 Samuel 28. You know, when Saul uh, goes to a witch and then God in his power lets Samuel come up from the dead and rebuke Saul. Now, obviously, this wasn't the witch's power because the witch completely freaks out. She knows this isn't her power. This isn't the normal, occultic, demonic thing. God shows up and absolutely overrides the witch and judges the witch and judges Saul. But what was Samuel? Was Samuel a resurrected being? Was he in flesh and blood? Was he a spirit? What was Samuel doing prior to God letting him come up and rebuke Saul? We have no idea. And one of the things thinking through these issues, it's not so much that I came to any great conclusions, but I came to appreciate just how much we do not know. Mm -hmm. Um, Still about the afterlife, the the Bible kind of points us, there's a finality to it, there's a heaven and hell and that's it. And and yet it kind of brings up these issues and just leaves them wide open for us to speculate. And, And so in this book, you know, the Genesis Ghost, where kind of Judah and Tamar come back to to haunt this young man in in London. It's purely just a fictional device. You know, I'm not trying to make any theological statements by it. It's it's a fictional device, much like uh, in A Christmas Carol, where, you know, the ghosts of Christmas past, future and present come to haunt Scrooge and lead him in sort of a repentance, if you will. It's it's a similar idea. But um, as far as the theology goes, it's humbling because we just scratch our heads and say, man, something's out there and we know Jesus is Lord over all of it. And uh, it's it's a wild world, and we need to be careful of it. But it's out there, and there's a lot we don't understand. I, I with something that we don't understand, um, I think that we could probably you know use a little bit of first principles here, right? We I think that we could say 
um, do we believe in a physical world? I, I think that you and I both would agree that there is a physical world and we are currently in it. Um, just as a basic elementary level, this world exists, at least as far as we can tell. Um, um, is there a spiritual world? Is there a world that exists that we can't see? And I believe that the Bible is very clear about that. I, uh, wouldn't you agree that the Bible is very clear that there is a physical world and there is a spiritual world? Uh, one of the things that we can see, one with the things that we, we cannot see. Would you agree to that? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And I think that you know if we look through Scripture several times, the Bible says things like we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness and against spiritual forces in heavenly places. This idea of there being, you know, a, a another dimension that we wouldn't be able to see, that by, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible. So, uh, you know, I get this idea that God created all the things that I can see and all the things that I can't see. And I think in my mind, at least, and, and this might even be a part of the Greek influence is this idea of heaven being above and and hell being below. Um, but there is a, a interdimensional um, warfare that's going on. Angels that were delayed in their bringing of information to those praying because of uh, spiritual forces that can't be seen by a messenger yeah. that can't yeah. be seen with a message that can't be heard from a world that we don't we can't hear or see so yeah. i think that the bible is very clear on that i mean at least as far as i can tell and as far as you and i could agree on that yeah. there there is there are um there is an, a, a dimension that we cannot see that exists um and yes. in that ex in that uh, world, there are good spirits and bad spirits. Good being associated with God, bad being asso associated with Satan. Would Would you agree yes. with that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Agree. And and I and I think that so if we just go with that already, now I think that we know that there's a world that we can't see. Um, and now I think the question becomes: Is the world that we can't see influencing at all the world that we can see? And I I think that Jesus in the prayer that he taught us could allude to that that our father who is in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and this idea that i'm praying for something to take place in the physical as it's done in the non-physical world or maybe physical is not a good word to use but that in the world that i can see may it reflect so the world that i can't see versus the spiritual yeah and so now we i think that as christians the 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 bible establishes very clearly that there is an unseen dimension and there are battles taking place battles on our behalf and so if our eyes are open at all to these um to these you know maybe maybe it's possible that we live an entire world without seeing the other dimension i have I, I mean, I, I don't think that I have seen anything supernatural uh, where I've seen ghosts, angels, demons, messengers. Um, I, but I don't discount those that might have the, the experience of seeing something that is not 
there that I would see but could be happening in another dimension. Is it possible? Yes. Have I experienced it? No. Have you experienced it? Uh, no. I, I, I can't. I've seen people, individuals who I believe are demon possessed. Um, and so I, I feel I've seen some interaction of people being influenced by a, a spiritual realm in quite dramatic ways, but I don't feel I've ever seen sort of beyond the veil to see any angels or demons or ghosts myself. Um, I, I would agree with that. I So I um, don't know if you've ever heard of a guy by the name of Carlos Anacondia. He was a well-known revivalist yes. from... so In Argentina, yes. Yes, he, he came to California and I had, the, I, I had the privilege, if you want to call it that, of serving in his deliverance tent. Brother, I'm telling you right now, I had no business being in there. I I was on the leadership at my church um, and my church was assigned the role of praying for those in the deliverance tent uh, mm -hmm. at one of the revivals in San Diego. And um, this was during the 90s. And I remember yeah. going in there with the idea, the concept of what I've always experienced, which is praying for people that need prayer. I, yeah. I was not prepared for what I saw. I saw people vomiting up, you know, what they call demons. I, I saw people screaming out in the most blood curdling screams I'd ever heard. Um, I was, I, I was a U.S. Marine ready to fight anything in front of me. They freaked me out so much that I, wow. I, that I almost ended up in a corner in the fetal position sucking on my thumb because it was spooky and I was yeah. out of my depth. And I, I yes. thank God that there were spiritual giants there with me that, that took over the situation because I was an observer. I was like, what in the world is going on? Heart racing, cold sweat, you know, palm sweating. I was freaking out. I was, because there is something that about, you know, demons that you can't protect yourself from. And, um, uh, you know, you, can, you can't buy an insurance policy. For it, right? I mean, that's one of the things that King Saul discovered. You could be the most yeah. wealthiest, most protected individual in the world, but you can't protect yourself from this other world, um, and you can't you can't protect it from. Uh, here's a question. This leads me to this. Uh, just a really quick question on this subject. Um, do you believe that that there is any spiritual interaction at all in our dreams, or are our dreams? simply dreams of our own making where God is speaking to us, but uh, using our dreams to do that? Or do you believe that there could be a connection at all uh, when we are in a, in a state of sleep dreaming um, and interacting at all in a, with the unseen world? Well, I have two ways to answer that. One, of course, is from Scripture. Um, where scripture often talks about how God does speak in dreams. God spoke to Joseph in, in the book of Genesis and even in the New Testament. God talks about he's going to pour out his spirit and young men will see visions, old men will dream, dream dreams. So theologically, uh, I'm on board with that. But I've also had some experiences in my own life that, that I can answer from. One would be when I was a young man um, coming over from uh, in the very late 90s, coming from America to Europe, uh, I was really praying it through, and I felt God was calling me to, you know, take the bold step of moving away from America, moving to Europe, getting involved. At, at the time, I was going to be involved in Christian youth work, and I went through with just a series of nightmares um, where I, these dark figures would come to me in the middle of the night and say, if you go to Europe, we're going to kill you, you know. Uh, nightmares like I never had before in my life. 
you know, um, really freaky things that wake up in the middle of the night, just drenched in sweat. And, and I would just have to go pray for an hour or two and worship. And, um, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, it's a key transition point in my life where I was going to serve God and trying to serve the purposes of God. And I, I believe that the enemy was just trying to terrify me, come against me with fear uh, at that key moment. Uh, another thing that happened, um, which to this day, I don't know why it happened. Uh, you know, it's, and I don't even tell that many people about it, but I guess I'm, t- I'm here on your podcast telling it now. <laughs> it, it, uh, and I'm sure some of your listeners will think this is strange and maybe discount me and maybe never read my books or want to listen to anything I say ever again. Um, but on the, the night of, this, of September the 10th, 2001, uh, so this was the day before 9-11, before, the, you know, the great terrorist attack. I kept waking up in the middle of the night with these dreams of war breaking out in the desert and and these bombs going off in, in the city. Uh, I had this dream I was on, on a bus going through, uh, going through New York City and all of a sudden the bus just exploded and I woke up and I was in the sweat. I told my wife and it, it was freaky. I usually, I don't have dreams like this very often. And then woke up and then I was in the desert and I was fighting and I was getting shot. I've never been in the army. I, I'm not like you. I've been a soldier. I've, been, I've never been to Iraq. You know? And I, I just had this series of dreams, one after another, and I kept waking up in a sweat. And, and in the morning, my wife was like, what was last night all about? And I said, I don't know. I haven't had a dream that clear, that vivid in, in years. Well, I guess since I, I left America to come to Europe. And it was, just a, it was just a strange thing. I was in Iceland at the time. And... Um, because I was in Iceland, it was in, it was in the uh, afternoon, and I was eating lunch, beginning my, my chores, doing my tasks for the day. And this old Icelandic fella came and knocked on the door. He didn't speak a word of English, and I don't I hadn't been in Iceland long, so my Icelandic wasn't good. But he kind of knocked on the door, and was I could tell he wanted me to come with him. And so I, he was with my neighbor. I went next door to his house. He brought me to the living room, pointed to the TV. Uh, and it was just in time for me to see the second plane, you know, crash into the tower. And... And I, and I just knew that that was my, what my dreams were about. And I just knew that we're, we're going to war. We're, we're going to be in the Middle East. You know, you know, I, now, why me? Why did I have that dream? And not somebody useful, like, I don't know, the President of the United States or someone who works at the, you know, the, the Twin Towers. Or Why did I have that? I have no idea. To this day, I scratch my head and think, God, why did I have that experience? You know, uh, other than that, I know that God is the God of history. You know, that God is aware of these events. They don't take them by surprise. And he's working all things out for his will, for his good purposes. You know, and I haven't really had dreams like that since. I don't have dreams on a regular basis at all. Um, but I know they happen. I, I know they're, they're real. And I think that that, I think we could probably, using the Bible as our foundation, establish at least another level of understanding is that the the unseen world can enter into the the physical world through our dreams influencing yeah. our actions our future actions um we see that you know many people in the bible have dreams where god is speaking to them in their dreams uh, where you had mentioned, you know, Joseph having the dream, but Joseph also became interpreter of dreams. And yeah. to, in, you know, it, it, if you interpret dreams for an event that will happen in the future and that event happens, we can assume 
that that dream wasn't a making of your own mind because your mind would have had no way of predicting that event. Yeah. So I, I, I think that here we do have an intersection of the physical and the, the spiritual through our dreams. The amazing thing about our dreams is, again, you can't be protected. You, you, mm. you, you don't control your dreams. You might think that you do, mm -hmm. but you find yourself subject to the events in your dreams. Uh, yeah. w once you started to answer the way that you answered with the dreams, I started you know, to go back and realize I, I've learned to do things in my dreams. Um, I, m some of the things that I've written have been concepts that have come to me in dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and I truly believe in those concepts that come to me in dreams because I've benefited from them. I've seen them manifested in ways that I could use that have nothing to do with spiritual stuff. I've solved math problems in my dreams and I wow. woke up and they were real, real solutions. Um, I learned to snowboard in my dreams. Mm. Um, that's a true story, completely true story. My wife will tell you, uh, we were in Levy, Northern Finland, and we had been skiing together and I saw somebody on a snowboard and I was like, I want to learn how to snowboard. And you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We had enough to be able to pay for a lift ticket and, and, and skis. So I turned my skis in and I traded it for a snowboard. And um, this was about 20 years ago or more. And um, I remember tumbling down the mountain with the complete, I mean, I'm like, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to learn this. And I'm, and nobody was snowboarding. So I didn't have anybody around me that I could watch. Uh, yeah. I, this was, you know, before YouTube became a thing. So I wasn't yeah. able to like learn from watching YouTube, but I'm like, I'm going to learn this. And my wife laughed at first and then began to feel sorry for me. Like I was getting beat up and I ended the day not being able to stay on the board at all, at all, like no, knowing nothing. But in my dream that night, I got a groove, I felt a groove and I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. And I got this groove of going back and forth, back and forth, like rocking from heel to toe, heel to toe. And yeah. the next day, the very next morning, I told my wife that I think it's gonna be a good day. No joke, told her about the dream, but didn't really expect that much about it. Put the board on and I snowboard. From that day on, no problem. Um, for those that don't know me or have ever heard my testimony, um, I went to a university in Kunming, southwestern China, where I wanted to start studying the Chinese language. Now, before I did that, I had taken a few courses at YMCA to learn how to say hello, thank you, goodbye, very, very easy elementary words. But my wife will tell you that, I mean, English is her third language. She speaks five languages, and she corrects me on my English all the time. I mean, my, like my wife, her third language is English too. Yes. So uh, she she um, she corrects me on my. So I say that to say that linguistics is not my gifting. Um, yeah. I studied Spanish a year in college. I don't speak a word, a lick of Spanish at all. Yeah. And um, and I I went to university and they did not have any place to put me except for second year Chinese studies. And I I said I can't be in here. Like I I need one of the classes by the way was intensive reading and writing. I never even thought about studying the Chinese characters. This was yeah. on a Thursday. Um, I remember very, very well. Um, I went and asked to be dropped from the course and to get my money back uh, because they didn't have any students and none of the students in the second year course were white Americans. They were all like Chinese from Thailand, Japan, or Korea. 
So they actually had Chinese as their first language and they just wanted to learn it properly. And so uh, when the teacher couldn't explain something, she would, because, and, and by the way, in another edition, the professor doesn't speak English. And so the professor, when she's speaking and the class doesn't understand, in order to explain to the class, she would write the characters in Chinese and the entire class would say, oh, oh yeah, now we understand. Where I'm just like, no, I, I'm, uh, no. And um, the weekend came and in my dreams, I began to speak Chinese. And when I went back on Monday, I was speaking at second year level. So I got an entire first year supernaturally of Chinese, having never spoken the language before. And it just came to me. And today, um, even though I speak Swedish quite a bit in my home, my wife and I may be 25 to 50%, depending on the day, Swedish, um, Chinese is still the most comfortable and, and most uh, uh, fluent language that, that I possess outside of English. Um, and yeah. that came to me from a dream. And I believe it's supernatural. I don't believe it was something my my brain chambers opened up because there were things that I knew how to do um, that I didn't know how to do previously and never been exposed to. Um, so I do think that you're right. I think that we the and I do think that both from experience and from biblical teachings, we can you know establish that there is an intersect with the uh, with the dream world. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So that, that is a, a fantastic story. Um, it's much better than my dreaming in French story. <laughs> Did you have you dream, dreamed? In, do you speak French? Well, so yeah, I spent five years in France. Uh, but when I arrived in France, I didn't speak a lick of French. I didn't speak any French. And uh, like you, I was, I was um, taking courses. I, I arrived in France, didn't speak any French. I went to take um, French courses, and it was French for foreigners. Everyone else in the class was either Korean or Chinese, and no one, no one spoke a word of English, you know. And I and I didn't have anything supernatural. I didn't get any downloads, if you will, like, like you did. But I remember the first time I dreamed in French. I, I was working so hard to learn French, and I was so bad at it that first year. And I, and I just felt like I'm never going to learn this. And I remember the first time I dreamed in French. I, I was there on the, the bus, which I took the bus every day to and from the university. I was just there on the bus, and someone came up to me and spoke really quickly in French. And I didn't understand a lick of it. And I all I responded was, je parle pas français. Je parle, which just simply means I don't speak French. And that's all I could say. Je parle pas français. It's like a nightmare uh, to be expected to speak French. But I woke up and I somehow, after I kind of got, I, I feel like I used to it because, oh, wow, I dreamed in French. My first dream in French was me getting nervous and saying I don't speak any French. So it, it really wasn't as impressive as your dream, I gotta say. But uh, Eventually, after five years of slugging it out, I got okay in French. I never got great, but uh, it, it became okay. This this concept, this idea of, of our dreams, because I mean, I'm assuming yeah. Um, yeah. that you know you didn't have any control over that situation. I don't think that you wanted to throw yourself in a situation where you were forced to speak French and tell someone I don't yeah. speak French, right? No. So no. I, I yeah. so as our dreams play out. Um, it is interesting, and, and we know that from studies that we don't even remember most of our dreams. Yeah. So many studies yeah, have told us that our brains are super active in our sleep. Our bodies require sleep. There's no way to avoid sleep and stay alive. 
And yeah. while we are in our sleep state, we are being, you know, accessed. And I'm, you know, sometimes it's the chili that we had before we went to sleep, but sometimes it's, I think it's much deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, um, let me, let me go to the next step and ask about, can the supernatural then interact with our physical world, even if we can't see it? So oh. for instance, um, Ouija boards, um, uh, for instance, the casting of lots, which we see very active in the Bible, both old and new Testament, not as active in the new Testament, but we do see it. Yeah. Um, and so I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. Kind of like what's what I said, uh, earlier, you know, you, you have these examples in the Bible, you know, uh, Elijah, Moses, Samuel the, of ghosts and of uh, the, the physical things, as you're saying, the lots. And it's one of these things the Bible presumes, but it doesn't really explain. And so because I'm a product of my culture, this materialistic culture, it, all it tells me is, is, well, just simply what you're saying, that that God and the spiritual world, it, it interacts with our physical worlds in ways that I, I feel even after all these years of theology training and book reading and, and everything else, I feel I'm just at the baby stages of understanding. I believe it. Uh, I, I know God works in through the material world as well as evil, spiritually evil forces affect and impact the evil world. How it all works, why it works sometimes and not other times seemingly, when and how, I, I feel I have more questions than answers. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. That's why I love exploring this, unpacking what we don't know, sharing what we do know, yeah. and, and or what we think we know, right? And then yeah. also um, kind of trying to see if there's any building blocks that we can add to this and say, okay, this is this feels stable enough. Yeah. Is it possible to step on this and, yeah. and then put up another level while standing here? Um, yeah. One of the things that I think that we see, and I, I'm just going to, I'm going to test something with you and, okay. and, and just see if, you know, if, if this has any foundation to it at all. Um, and see if you can topple. And, and please feel free to topple. I, I'm just spitballing okay. here, and uh, and I'm I love this. I love the the I love questions that lead to our digging of the understanding of the Bible. And I love putting up pillars that fall when I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe this has something. Nope, it, it contradicts the spirit. Down it goes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. but in that process of it falling, I've grown in the next yeah. building project, right? Um, yeah. So, am I making any sense? <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm tracking with you. I mean, we this is something we can't afford to just say, you know, I'm not gonna think about these things. I, I because the new, the new Testament commands us. Yes. It commands a number of times. That, you know, first of all, test the spirits. Yes. We're commanded to test the spirits, which means we need to know what we're talking about when we're talking about spirits. Yes. You know, Paul writes to the Corinthians, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of how these spiritual evil forces work. And, you know, when I read that, I'm like, I don't know. I feel kind of ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I, know some, I know some things. The scripture clearly does tell us some things. But, uh, I, you know, I always feel I have so much to learn. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, I love the process of this learning. I think that it enriches me and it helps me 
in situations where I find myself confronted, because right now we can do it leisurely, but there are events where, where I think both you and I might be put in the middle of where yeah. we are facing demonic activity and we, yeah. we better be prepared. Um, yes. because lives are at stake and, and I don't think that that's being too dramatic. I think that there are individuals that we are serving that are being tormented, attacked, uh, by demons actively on a regular basis and their life is at stake in this torment. Um, yeah. so what I wanted to, what I wanted to ask, and I'm willing to be, um, uh, completely wrong, um, is, is it possible because I, I know it's possible on one side, right? Is it possible that there are individuals who are gifted with the the, the, the spiritual giftings of being able to see spiritual activity? Are there individuals who are gifted, let's put it another way, that are more sensitive to spiritual activity than others? And if that is true, is it possible that those, those are inherent in their being? that if they are gifted as believers, would they not still have that kind of sensitivity if they weren't believers, where Satan uses them for that purpose? For instance, a person who reads tarot cards, for instance, I've, I've often kind of thought about this, but never really verbalized it so much, but a person that is gifted with, with, with you know, the hearing from the spirit, prophesying in the church, if they were not a believer, would they not be the individuals who would also be sensitive to the spirits around them reading tarot cards and futures and being a seer, like the seers that we see in the Bible that are practicing the black magic, those that are that are that were sought after in the Persian Empire and the Greek Empire, you know, these um, individuals that could see the future. Um, that people pay big money for to to do these sacrifices and ceremonies to predict the outcome. Well, let me break it down even simpler. Let's not even go spiritual. Is it possible that somebody that God gifted to bring praise and worship into our fellowships, if they were not a believer, would that gift still not be with them where they could be possibly using that talent that they have to to become a secular singer, to sing about you know things that are not of God, is, mm. does that translate over into the spiritual, where where God just created certain people to be sensitive to that which they can't see, and they're able yeah. to see things, hear things that the rest of us are not, and that takes place both for good and for bad, for 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 God and for evil. What 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 say you about that that concept? What what okay. what would be the biblical problem with that idea? Sure, I think there are, there are a lot of questions with it there. Um, that, you know, I, I for me, the, going back to the first question about people gifted, the Bible does speak about in the New Testament about the gift of the discerning of spirits. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not sure I fully understand all that was going through Paul's mind when he wrote that um certainly all of us as believers are called to try to discern the spirits and test the spirits and yet there is reference to a discerning of spirits um so there may be individuals who are just naturally more gifted at this sort of thing i i certainly don't feel i'm i'm naturally one of them any 
any discernment that I may have at this point is, I think there were a lot of learning and experiencing and failing and, and trying to uh, understand as opposed to just a natural inclination uh, to these things. I certainly have heard of individuals who, before they were Christians, were very much involved in the occult and the supernatural and uh, false religion, that once they come to Christ, there is a sensitivity in them to the demonic. Like there's there's certain places they won't go, certain things they won't touch because they just see demonic activity all over it. Um, sometimes when people talk about the discernment spirits, I there's a wariness because you've probably encountered this too there is a there can be a certain flakiness around this thing where you know there's certain individuals always claiming to see angels or always claiming to see demons or you know it's almost a spiritual guruism that uh, i think can be driven by pride that I'm, i'm a little bit wary of but at the same time i don't want to dismiss thing you know we're told in the new testament do not despise prophecies um, but rather test the spirit. So I, I think in our materialistic world, they, there can be place, someone motivated by the spirit of pride to, you know, to, to be claiming visions and, and angels and, and, and a great spiritual insight. And I think because sometimes we see that, particularly maybe more in charismatic circles, that, that we see, um, you know, in, in certain individuals that claim this great spiritual discernment and insight into the spiritual realm, but at the same time, so much of their life and their relationships is out of order and there's unrighteousness there. And you think, wait a minute, is this person just kind of uh, always claiming to see angels, but it sounds like it's coming from an arrogant spirit. Is this legit or is this not? Can we test this? Um, and, and I think, you know, it's like so much in the church, you have a handful of individuals that get carried away to an extreme with something and then the rest of the church is sort of turned off and then drifts in the other direction in, in an unhealthy way. And I think there's a legitimate discernment of spirits, legitimate um, need to understand the spiritual realm. And yet I think a lot of people are worried. Well, I don't want to get too much into that because I don't want to be like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so who always just seems weird. You know, they're, they're doing weird things like sprinkling salt around the building of the church or, you know, kind of doing these these odd things. And so I don't want to talk about the spiritual realm or try to discern it too much uh, because then I'll be one of, one of those weird people. Um, and... Sorry, have I begun to answer any of your questions yet? No, yes, absolutely. I think that it is important that as our audience is listening to this conversation, because I think that what we're doing, what we're participating in, is something that I think a lot of Christians are curious, but there may be a doubt in their maturity level, like, what do we believe? And I mean, to be honest, I'm not familiar with your sermons, um, but I do listen to a lot of sermons on a regular basis. I have a list of people that I listen to. Some, there's, you know, one guy that I like to listen to who's not even Christian is, is a Jewish rabbi. Um, and I learn a lot about Judaism, you know, from him and his sermons. But in none of those sermons do I hear the regular talk about ghosts. Um, uh, you know, I, there have been, I don't know if you experienced this, I have... I have said that 2020 was the year of prophecy. Uh, I didn't say whether it was accurate prophecy, but it's the year of prophecy. I don't oh. think in all of my life, if you put together the prophets 
and prophecies that I have heard or have had prophecies sent to me by messenger, email, whatever, um, I've had more prophecies sent to me than ever before. And it had to do with the election, mainly about the election of President Trump. But there were yeah. a lot of prophecies, a lot of them. And um, and so there was a there was a speaking out of God's spirit speaking, and um, and and a, a lot of those prophecies did not come to pass as they were prophesied, and yeah. um, and and so that has a lot of people asking questions: What are prophecies? What are you know what you know? Because I think. I and I kind of I did tackle this in a couple of podcasts before where I caution people judging prophets based on a prophecy that didn't come true because I I believe that God has called me to be a teacher and a speaker and and to be on the mission field and I believe that the gift of knowledge and wisdom are also gifts from God but I've had to grow in them so I have taught things from the Bible that simply were not true that I learned later uh, through my growing in the Word and growing in Christ um, that, you know, because this is a skill that I have to hone and I hone by growing closer to Christ. I have to work on it every day. I have to, uh, we are taught about growing in the Word, growing in Christ, crucifying the flesh. Allowing Christ to live in me and not and not me to live, and is it possible that if I didn't understand, um, you know, certain things that are written in black and white, that prophets could misunderstand when maybe not coming through on a clear signal? Maybe you know you you, yeah. you had a AT and T connection that day and it was cloudy and you know you only got part of it or or whatever. Is it possible that? prophets yeah. are allowed to grow as well that they are not yeah. perfect uh in their prophecy so that doesn't make them false prophets even if their prophecy was not well that i this is the example yeah, that i give I'm, I'm sympathetic with yeah I'm, I'm completely sympathetic with what you just said well i mean if um, i put so, my if i put my if i put myself in the in the place of the disciples right and just look at the book yeah. of matthew alone in the book of matthew alone christ hilariously tells his disciples exactly what's going to happen when he's crucified he says i'm going to be taken by the authorities um the i'm the the um pharisees are going to you know take me i'm going to be crucified and i'm going to raise on the third day like oh like a complete blueprint of what's going to happen and he's in person with them and then matthew says two days before the crucifixion again jesus tells him what's going to happen and then when he is detained and crucified the disciples are like what just happened and i'm like if they can misunderstand is it possible yeah. that I can misunderstand? Is it possible that my own agenda somehow inserts itself into what God is telling me and uh. it then pollutes what comes out of my mouth or even my understanding? Because I believe that the disciples wanted a Messiah and they felt that the Messiah was going to give Israel independence. And when Christ was yeah. crucified, that went in contradiction to their idea of what it meant to have a Messiah in the lineage of David to give Israel their independence. And only later did they realize that, oh, that's what he was talking about. Oh, how did I miss it? I've been in there. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm very sympathetic with this when, you know, obviously there was a lot of disappointment around the results of the election. And certainly there was a lot of people who, you know, say they're prophets and who had been prophesying and talking about uh, President Trump having a, a second term. And, you know, my attitude was like, well, we'll wait and see. You know, you, you test the prophecies and you know uh but kind of the backlash there's a lot of anger against these guys um and and i feel what you felt part of me was like well i'm thinking of all the times i got it wrong and i'm, I'm not a prophet i've never claimed to be a prophet i'm a um i've had a few supernatural experiences but um i consider myself more of a bible teacher you know, and I think about how my teaching has changed over the years. You know, there's a few things I believed when I was in my early 20s that now in my, in my early 40s, I no longer believe. I look back and think, oh, actually, I, I think I taught something that was wrong. And I believe it sincerely and I see why. And that if, you know, you, you call yourself a prophet and you feel you're, you're God speaking to you either in dreams or however the prophet feels God might be speaking to them. Um, you know, I, I understand there, there's room for a sincere servant of God to to try to in, interpret what they're hearing and, and and get it wrong, and and so I kind of feel for some of these guys, you know. Yeah. No. And I think a lot of I, I think that when we look at prophecy, there in prophets, that is one of those uh, you know a bit spooky, mysterious, uh, spiritual kind of roles, and the Bible is, and I'm so happy that the Bible is very clear about this because. Um, the Bible is very clear, and those that don't believe in prophecy or prophets or are super skeptical, we have to face the Bible every day and look yeah. at it and say, okay, this is what the Bible says, regardless of what I think, regardless of what my feelings say. This is what the Bible says, and I need to adapt to the biblical teachings instead of having the biblical teachings yeah. to adapt to my feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. We got to judge it all by scripture. Yeah, yeah. So now I, 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 I know that I've taken a bit of your time, but I, I do, I would like to go another step here, and sure. uh, and then go into the area that is more uh, speculation. I think, uh, or at least okay. that's my idea. Um, ghosts. What are they? Are they good? Are they bad? I know that when the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. The angel yeah. of the Lord had to say, don't be afraid. Almost every time we see an angel of the Lord appear, the first thing that they have to start off their sentence with is, don't be afraid. Yeah. Um, and, and and so um, ghosts, um, good, bad, um, deceptive, truth, what, what say my, you? My feelings, if someone comes to me and says they've seen a ghost or if someone – says you know they, they want to speak to a deceased loved one my first impulse the, the classical evangelical response and, and still would be my response today would be a, a strong caution against that um you know there's a lot of deception in the spiritual world the scripture says that when we die it's appointed us into judgment um to, to heaven and to hell and this uh, sort of longing to be connected with the dead, uh, I think it, it can really be an opening them up to the demonic. I believe that before, and you know, I, I, I still believe that. Um, having said that, sometimes people have strange experiences that I would be very slow to judge. You know, we've already mentioned uh, some of the 
weirder stories in the scripture you know samuel talking to saul moses and elijah there on the mount of transfiguration um you know just this reference in the new testament to ghosts so as if it's just understood but we're not really sure what they were uh thinking about um when these ex- what's interesting is when these experiences happen the people as such weren't expecting them you know saul was not looking to speak you know he was not expecting if you will samuel to come to him in that way in the way he did and give that sort of word of judgment the disciples were not expecting to encounter moses and elijah up there they were just following jesus um and and i think that should be clear for all christians look to jesus follow jesus and if god ever speaks to you in a strange experience through a dream through a vision or through one of these more bizarre supernatural ways great let's be open to that i the way we're given i believe to test these sorts of more unusual experiences is i i think first john you know um a number of years ago uh, when i was much younger i i picked up an old book and I, I don't necessarily recommend it to anyone because it's it's written in such archaic english but it's jonathan edwards um who, you know he has some great sermons out there but his english can be a bit old-fashioned if you don't read it in a more up that up-to-date way is he has a great little book on testing the spirits um and he kind of goes to i believe it's first john chapter four because you know jonathan edwards even though he's kind of a um you know he's known as this great reformed theologian among calvinists and uh you know people who have a more formal style of, of worship typically some of his revival services some of the things that happened during the great awakening were really wild and there's all sorts of unusual spiritual phenomenon happen and he wrote a book particularly on this how to test these spirits how to know whether this bizarre spirits where you either you think you've seen a ghost or whether you think you've had a dream or you're encountering something supernatural he wrote a book on how to test these things and he goes yeah i believe it's one again i think it's first john chapter four when he when john talks about testing the spirits you know about looking to the fruit it produces one does it glorify jesus two does it bring a humility or does it bring pride you know three does does it bring a greater love for other christians you know four does it honor the apostolic writings does it honor the scriptures and he kind of goes through that chapter and says if this is what that more unusual experience be it ghosts or dreams or whatever is it if this is what you know what you've encountered what you've experienced not that what you've gone looking for i think as christians we should look to follow christ but sometimes these unusual experiences may come our way whether we look for it or not um what's the fruit it's producing that's what he asks and uh and i've always found that that teaching to be very helpful i have never heard that teaching i mean i i read jonathan edwards at least once a year um sinners in the hands of an angry god i have committed myself to read that uh, at least once a year it's a very fast read um uh, i from what i understand jonathan edwards delivered it very unemotionally but the reaction was extremely emotional and uh, that he was he was not an animated charismatic preacher per se um, yeah. but the response to that message was animated and and yeah. uh, uh, emotional um, but what you just said I think for our listeners if you missed that is something that I would just like to recap because I think that is something that should be guiding um, I've never heard that before but I love it which is yeah. we don't go seeking them but sometimes they happen without us seeking them. 
because I think that you're absolutely right. That is something that I'm not searching after ghosts. I'm not searching after spiritual, supernatural. Why? Uh, shoot, I, I very uh, I need to watch my vocabulary here um, because I sometimes I say things that I don't mean uh, that don't adequately describe what I'm trying to say. That you know I'm not seeking to have an encounter with demons or gro yeah. ghosts or um, or or even angels. You know I'm not praying to angels. I'm not praying that God shows me an angel. Um, yeah. But if I do what are the results or what what is that what is out test what what are what are the the that what is the outcome of what i have because one of the things that we do see like i was talking about you mentioned uh transfiguration uh the mount of transfiguration there we actually we see that the disciples were scared um mm -hmm. and um and and it, they were not seeking it they were following Jesus. They were they they were not looking for Moses. They they weren't saying Jesus. You know, it'd be really cool. It'd be so yeah. awesome if we were you know be able to chill out, hang out, and have a beer with uh, Moses and Elijah. Right. Um, but that's not that's not what took place. Um, they just all of a sudden they're like, what the? And you know, and then they freak out. And and the Bible tells us that they fell face down to the ground, terrified, scared out of their skin. And then Jesus came and basically said, hey, get up. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Elijah and Moses were gone. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. there there was, there was and, and they were even talking about, you know, possibly building tents or something, you know, that, that could be there um, to, to host um, this. But uh, I think that what you said is a treasure. And if, and if we forget everything else from this podcast, I think that that is pretty that that is pretty foundational. That uh, we don't go seeking, that it should not be our desire to seek. But there will be times, might be times, not will, but might be times that we will encounter um, yeah. something or see something from a spiritual world. We've also established that you and I have not seen anything like this, um, like what the you know. Uh, that what took place on Mount Transfiguration, um, that we have not, you know, seen, uh, the spirit of, of, um, uh, of, I want to say Saul, um, not Saul. Uh, we haven't seen, we haven't Samuel. seen yeah. Samuel. Yes. We haven't seen the spirit. We haven't seen Samuel's ghost come and visit us uh, anytime soon. So you and I, in some ways do speak, um, at a bit of a disadvantage, but we do, uh, know what the Bible says and the Bible has yeah. recorded these events and I think that that has been um, really good to hear from you this this uh, this idea that Jonathan Edwards came out of testing the spirits that I think yeah. is something I'll take away from this as being uh, a, a blessing so yeah. uh, you know whether ghosts are good or bad um, whether we want to or not uh, whether we are interacting with the what's in the real world or not in the real world, um, it, there it is. Yeah. So um, I guess maybe to, to kind of begin wrapping it up, uh, and, and I do recommend if anyone's used to reading Jonathan Edwards, as you already said you are, it is a short little book. It, it's certainly not a long book, and it you know it's a helpful um, thing that just reminds us that you know, just what Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. 
you know, uh, teachers, prophets, even, you know, strange spiritual experiences. And we kind of got on this whole talk, you know, just, uh, you know, in reference there to that book, The, the Genesis Ghosts that uh, we just released. And um, my big disclaimer is, you know, I, I'm certainly not advocating speaking to dead saints. <laughs> There's no sort of... Uh, Catholic um, pray to the saints attached to this. Uh, it's sort of this fictional device where Judah and Tamar come from the past and sort of um, bring a, 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 a lesson, ultimately a revelation of Christ to this this boy in London. Um, but that's not, uh, there's no theology to be <laughs> taken from that other than, um, uh, you know, what uh, the, the message they're carrying, which is Christ and not sort of any, um, we should go out looking uh, to communicate with dead saints. Yeah, um, no, the reason it, I even wrote it that way is because right now there's this huge uptake among young adults of what they call paranormal fantasy. And so I'm trying to put in the gospel into a format, into a method, into a genre that a lot of secular young adults are, are gobbling up at the moment, this paranormal fantasy. So I'm, I'm trying to get the gospel out there and I'm just using these things as a fictional literary device. Um, hopefully one that the readers will find enjoyable. Yeah, and I do think that we are touching on something that is in our background. And when I say our background, I mean Protestant Christians. Um, yeah. We were birthed out Protestant. Most of Western Protestant Christianity was birthed out of Catholicism. Yeah. Um, whether we like that idea or not, and uh, the, the world of Christianity, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the, the, the Church of the East, and the Catholic Church, these were the main dominant uh, leaders in Christianity and kept a lot of our records. Uh, those that follow in the lineage of Martin Luther, we come from that. Anybody that's ever been to a Lutheran church service will be able to see a lot of these elements in play. And that in and where even where you're calling from right now uh from the uk this is a very prominent idea um where the the church the england as a country mm -hmm. the the flag of england is the flag of george saint george yeah, yeah and, right. which is the patron saint of england this idea that a martyred saint can be called upon for advice guidance help protection um, this is yep. very prominent in our history and I think is something that is worth exploring, talking about, and being honest about. Um, mm -hmm. Not yep. starting off, I don't think you or I uh, started off with a predisposition of attacking anything. That we were open to the ideas, um, laid them out on the table, and then kind of tried to eliminate the things that yep. you know uh, don't really work biblically and the things that do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I think that um, I anybody that's listening to this podcast, I think that if you get the chance to, um, Pastor Joshua has written a, a, a trilogy, is working on the third book right now. Two of those books are available. Uh, one of them is called The Girl and the Guardian, and the other one is called The Genesis Ghosts. And uh, in our previous podcast, if you didn't hear that, you can go back to the podcast directly preceding this one and hear what got us started on this conversation. Um, it really was, you know, sparked by this book, The Genesis Ghost, um, which Pastor Joshua had talked about, is a story that retells in a modern package and in a fascinating way the, the, the story be between Judah and Tamar. Brother, it has been a blessing. Thank you so much for being with me on this podcast. Always enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your time in America. Yeah, a couple more days and then I will be free.
Okay. <laughs> God bless you, brother. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Right. And I want to thank you for joining us for this little bit longer than usual podcast. I pray that it was a blessing for you as much as it was for me. Um, I, this topic is one that I love to explore. And the reason I love to explore is because there's so little information out there on it. And my hope is that this podcast is not a foundation for your theological studies, but it is one that will spark interest for you to go deeper and find out what does the Bible say? What does God say? Don't take our word for it. Find out what God says. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless.